Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcasts at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at eric, E-R-I-K, Dot Anderson at nllutheran.com. The ninth chapter of the book of Acts. Reads this. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoke this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. The word of the Lord. Over the past couple weeks, we've begun a sermon series called Everyday Evangelism, and it followed our proof sermon series, uh, which was about all these interactions that the disciples had with Jesus after he was resurrected from the dead. And And so now we're moving on through the New Testament, and we're looking at all these times that the early church, the very first Christians, evangelized, how they spread the gospel to uh, those in their community, to their families, uh, to those that they knew. And when we hear the word evangelism, more than likely one of of two things comes into our heads. Um, Either the first thing uh, would be what's called apologetics. And apologetics is uh, the craft of showing proofs of something. So, for example, Christian apologetics would be uh, looking at the world and saying, well, God had to have designed this. There had to have been some sort of designer to uh, create our world because it's irreducibly complex. It's too complex to have just come about randomly. So you can look at geology, you can look at history, you can look at all these things, and you can show proofs that there has to be some sort of designer who created our world. Unfortunately, uh, for better or for worse, um, this usually goes around the age of the earth um, rather than there is a God. Um, but that's apologetics, laying out proofs that something is real, something is true. So our last series, Proof, was a little bit of apologetics work, wasn't it? It was looking at the New Testament and saying, you know what, this, these documents that we have in the New Testament, these gospels, they're verifiable because they tell us who, uh, who saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. It names specifically who was raised from the dead. We are told exactly whose tomb Jesus was buried in and the invitation uh, the gospel writers give when they write that it's Joseph of Arimathea's tomb is to say, hey, go look at his tomb. It's empty. 
when they write and they name um, people who saw Jesus and interacted with Jesus, they're saying, hey, go and speak to these people, talk to these people. They are eyewitnesses. So we can see that there's historical evidence for Jesus, that he was in fact a person, that he did live, that he was crucified, and that his tomb is empty. And we have verifiable eyewitness accounts that people saw him and spoke to him and interacted with him after he uh, was brought back to life. That's apologetics. And that's good. Apologetics is good. But apologetics is not evangelism. And so we may think that apologetics is evangelism, but we may have another idea about what evangelism is. And this is, I I call this testimony. And I'm sure that you guys have, have seen this or heard this or experienced this, but you go to a Christian concert or some sort of a rally on campus or in your community and someone stands up and they say, I was X, Y, and Z, and then I met Jesus and now everything's different. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I was a porn addict. I was an adulterer. I was X, Y, and Z. Now I'm freed from those things. That's called a testimony. And I have no doubt that God can work in those amazing and miraculous ways. But the problem is that uh, after we have some sort of experience with Jesus, we go about our lives and our friends and our families and our coworkers still know a dirty little secret. We're still kind of jerks, <laughs> even after we are converted, right? We still mess up. We still sin, even after conversion. And so it gets tricky. When you go to a big rally and you hear a speaker, you don't know their life, and so it's moving to hear about this radical transformation. But what about in your own life? Maybe you don't feel comfortable sharing your testimony because you know that you're still messed up and you're worried that you're going to be labeled a hypocrite because you're trying to convert people to Jesus when you yourself are still messed up. When we think about evangelism, we think about one of those two things, apologetics or testimony. And there are some issues with, some of the, with those two things. Um, they, they are good in their own rights, and they are good things uh, for us to engage in, but neither of those things are evangelism in the way that we really want to nail down uh, today. And in fact, in our, in our lesson today, in our scripture, we heard about a guy who maybe more than any of us could have uh, the, the, uh, be called a hypocrite, more than any of us could. It was a guy by the name of Saul, and this is what we see in our passage today. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. So I need to apologize to you guys. Um, we're jumping in right in the middle of a chapter, and that's not something that we normally like to do, but this story takes up all of chapter 9, and we didn't want to spend 30 minutes just reading chapter 9 of Acts. So we're jumping in the middle. I'm going to give you a little bit of background. For several days, he, the he that we're talking about in this passage is a guy named Saul. You may know him better as Paul. He's the Paul who wrote uh, most of, he's the single greatest contributor to the New Testament. He wrote most of the letters that we read in the New Testament. He was a missionary, a Christian missionary to the Gentile world. He traveled all over the place and he proclaimed the gospel um, to Gentiles and to Jews in the communities that he went to out and about. Saul uh, was his given name. That was his Hebrew name. He was a Jew born in Tarsus and he and grew and raised in Tarsus. And he, his name was Saul, but he was also a Roman citizen. So we don't really know how he had citizenship. Um, usually you have to be, you have to do military service or something like that. More than likely, his father or his brother served in the military or served as some sort of Roman official. And therefore the whole family got citizenship. So Saul's given name that his, that his parents gave him was Saul, 
But his Roman name was Paul. And that's why we know him as Paul. And he went as Paul primarily later in his life because he was, he was ministering to Gentiles. He was ministering to Romans. Um, so in this story, he's, he's, he's going by Saul. He's going by his given name. And uh, a Roman name is kind of like a social security number. It was a way to identify him as a Roman citizen. Um, his dad probably was also called Paul. His brothers would have been called Paul. That was kind of a family name that was given to them to identify them as Roman citizens. But today we're going to talk to him, talk about him as uh, with his given name, Saul. And so Saul was a Jew, and he was man. He was a rock star. He was the cream of the crop. He was a Jew and also a Roman citizen. He had some of the best education you could get. He went to like, like think like. Ivy League school. He had internships at the White House. It was that kind of thing. He is the man. He's going to be the next big thing. His dad's a Pharisee. Saul is a Pharisee. He's a great religious person. He has zeal for God. He loves God and he loves the Jewish faith. And he's a rock star. In fact, he's so well known um, by the time he's in his early 20s, which is about when this happened, early to mid 20s, um, he was uh, given a task force. He had made his way to Jerusalem to study there, and he was so impressive to the, to the leaders that he was given a task force. And his task was to root out the Christian heresy. That was his task. They were Jews, and they believed that the Christians were heretics, that they had a wrong idea about God, and they wanted to kill the Christians. They wanted to convert them or to kill them. And so Saul was given command of this task. And he, we know that he oversaw the stoning of Stephen, which is one of Jesus' disciples. He was the man. He was young. He had power. He had education. He had Roman citizenship. He had everything. And earlier in Acts chapter 9, we hear a story of him going to Damascus to round up the Christians there, to imprison them, and to take them back to Jerusalem, and ultimately to have them killed to have them tried, and to have them killed. And while he's on his way to Damascus, he has an amazing experience. Jesus Christ, the risen Jesus, appears to him. Appears to him. There's a bright light. Jesus is there, and Jesus says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, Christ, the one whom you are trying to kill. And in that instant, Saul realizes all the work that he had put into his education, all the work that he had put into playing politics with the Pharisees, all the work he had put in to get his task force now was useless because he was wrong. Because he was wrong. So he was converted. Jesus came to him and he was converted on the spot. And he was also struck blind, which is an interesting detail. And if you were blind um, in this time in the ancient Near East, you, you know, none of the buildings were handicap accessible, right? That wasn't something that they did. So if you were blind, there was no uh, uh, system, no society. The society did not have a system to support you. If you were blind, you were powerless. You couldn't hold a job. You couldn't make money. You had to beg. You had to beg for money from your family, from your community, and you were at the mercy of those around you. You had no power on your own. So this once powerful Saul now found himself powerless. He had everything he wanted, education, he had power, he met Jesus, and suddenly he was struck blind and he was powerless in the face of Jesus. He went on the rest of the way to Damascus, uh, being led by those who were with him. And then he met a Christian there who healed him of his blindness 
and proclaim the gospel to him. And then this is what happens. He spent several days with the disciples, and then this is what happens. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem among those who invoke his, this name? And has he not come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? Saul became increasingly more powerful and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Messiah. He's a hypocrite, right? He once persecuted the Christians and now he was one of them. And the Jews were both amazed and confounded by this. But I think it's very, it's interesting that we hear this language here. Saul became increasingly more powerful as he proclaimed the gospel. A man who once had power, who once had authority, who was struck and blind and made powerless by Jesus, now as he was proclaiming the gospel, he was becoming more powerful once again. It was actually out of Saul's powerlessness. It was out of this experience that he had with the risen Jesus. This powerless Saul now could proclaim the gospel to those around him. And it was actually out of his powerlessness that he was given power. But we hear even more later in the book of Romans, which is a letter he wrote. Paul tells us in Romans um, that he is a double-minded man. That he does the things that he doesn't want to do, and he doesn't do the things that he wants to do. Saul is a man racked with sin. He continues to sin even after this conversion experience. Paul had a great testimony, but he runs into the problem that we all have. We continue to sin. Saul has not shaken. Paul has not shaken his sin yet. In fact, we're told that he had a thorn in his flesh, which could have been a physical ailment, but it also could have been a sin. A persistent single sin that he couldn't quite shake. He tells his readers that he is the least of the apostles and he's the chief amongst sinners. Paul knew what it meant to be a sinful person saved by Jesus who couldn't quite shake his sin. And yet he continued to proclaim the gospel. And he actually tells a story that he was asking God to take away this thorn in the flesh, um, which I, I do think is a sin. Um, it may have been a physical ailment, but I think it was a sin. And he asked God again and again and again to take it. And God says, you know what, Saul, your, my power is made perfect in your weakness. When you are weak, when you are at your worst, that's when I can be given glory. So Saul faced a hard truth. Out of his powerlessness, he could preach the gospel. Out of his weakness, he could preach the gospel. And he told his story. And in fact, Paul, when he tells his story to his brothers and sisters in the letters, he doesn't reference this event. He doesn't use his testimony to proclaim the gospel. He does it to prove that he's an apostle, to prove that he interacted with the risen Christ, but he doesn't use this event to preach the gospel. He uses his sin to preach the gospel. He uses his weakness to preach the gospel. This is what we see uh, this morning. Step three to everyday evangelism is to get personal with your story. So here's the problem. Here's the problem that we all face. Maybe you had some sort of radical conversion. Maybe. But I'm guessing most of us 
uh, myself included, uh, were either baptized when we were children or baptized when we were uh, babies, and maybe we grew up in the church, we've always been around the church, so we don't have a testimony to share. But what we see in Saul is not that we need a powerful testimony, because Paul doesn't use that to proclaim the gospel. He uses his weakness, his sin, to proclaim the gospel. Because here's the problem that you and I face. We go about our days racked with sin and racked with guilt. Because here's the reality that we face. We're not good enough parents. We're not good enough spouses. We're not good enough workers. We're not good enough bosses. We're not good enough Christians. And day by day by day, we get up in the morning, we look ourselves in the mirror, and we're faced with the truth. In our lives, we feel like failures. Our finances aren't in order the way that we want them to. Our families are not in order the way that we want them to. Our marriage is not in order the way that we want them to. Even our own minds are not in order the way that we want them to. And we have to face the reality that our lives are unmanageable. And no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we push, it always comes up bust. We always seem to fail. Even if it seems like, or it feels like, or it looks like we're succeeding, you know it, and I know it, because I have to get up every morning and face myself in the mirror. And I know that you know it too, that no matter how hard you try, you still feel like a failure. And here's the reality. You are a failure. You can't measure up. You cannot do it. Your life is unmanageable. But the gospel that we proclaim is that Jesus did it for you. He succeeded for you. And it doesn't matter how much you have sinned, how much you will sin, God loves you and he still has forgiven you. So evangelism for the Christian is less like a testimony and it's more like AA, where every day we have to stand up in front of other people and we have to say, hi, I'm Eric and I'm a sinner. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm a sinner. And here's the amazing thing. If, if any of you have been involved in AA or seen um, or been part of it or uh, uh, helped um, with AA, you know that as you get to the 12th step, which the 12th step of AA is having a spiritual experience. We try to spread this good news to other alcoholics. And as you know, uh, if you've been involved in AA, the way to spread the good news of Alcoholics Anonymous is not to be tough on alcoholics, because guess what? Alcoholics know they're messed up. They know that they're messed up. The way that you spread the good news of AA to alcoholics is you go and you pick them up when they're face down in the fast food joint in the morning. You put them in your car, and you know what? They're probably going to throw up inside of your brand new car. And you say, it's okay. I'm here for you. It'll be okay. We'll make it through. Spreading the good news of Alcoholics Anonymous to other alcoholics is not being tough on them, but actually giving grace to them. 
letting them ruin your furniture, letting them spend the night on your couch, letting them puke in your brand new car. And guess what? You are a sinner. You do not measure up. Your life is unmanageable. And you've wound up face down in a Hardy's parking lot. And God has driven up, put you in his car, and said, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And it doesn't matter how many times you mess up. It doesn't matter how many times you get it wrong. It doesn't matter how many times you ruin the furniture. God says, it's going to be okay. I'm here for you. I love you. This is the scandal of the gospel. It does not require life change to be preached. You do not have to have everything figured out before you share with your friends, your family, and your neighbors that God loves them. And in fact, you can point to your own sin. Hi, I'm Eric, and I'm a sinner. I am not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough father. I'm not a good enough pastor. I revert to laziness. My eyes wander too much. I am not good enough. But God has taken me in his car, and I have puked on the brand new upholstery, and he said, everything's going to be okay. And that's what he offers to you too. Isn't that freeing? You don't have to measure up. God loves you anyway. Folks, our friends and our families and our neighbors are being crushed by guilt. They're being crushed because they don't feel like they're good enough parents. They're being crushed because they don't feel like they clean their house enough. They're being crushed because they can't shake an addiction. They're being crushed because they don't feel like they're a good enough spouse. They're being crushed because their finances are a mess and they don't want to take a handout. Our families and our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers are being crushed and broken by guilt. They need Jesus. They need him. And you can stand in front of them and you can say, hi, I'm Eric and I'm a sinner. And God loves me anyway. And guess what? He loves you too. And you can keep messing up. You can keep failing. But God will take you in his car and he'll say, everything's going to be okay. That's the gospel. Get personal with your story. Share your struggles. Share your sin. Don't try to cover them up. Don't try to get it right before you start evangelizing. Use your struggles. Use the guilt. Use the things that are hard in your life and say, I am a mess up. I am a screw up. But God continues to love me and seek me and give me his promises. And he wants to do the same thing for you. That's the gospel. Trouble